Content warning. No Gods, No Monsters contains profanity, substance use, and a strong hatred for the police. Okay, so the first time I watched this movie, as you know, I, like, really didn't like it, and I like it more now, but there are a few things that really piss me off, and one of the things I just have to go into right away is it just creeps me out and weirds me out that the Shobajin are, like, voluntarily doing the... (laughs) the musical numbers in front of people that they were literally the plot of Mothra was that they were forced into slavery to do this labor. (laughs) And now they're just doing it. And I, I need you to help me understand. (laughs) It's so upsetting to me. Well, I mean, they have agency over it. So now is it's something that they maybe it's just something that they like to do. It just happened to be something that at one point they were enslaved and forced to do in front of people, but it's something that they already like to do. And now they get to have agency over it and they get to do it for two little children who, who love Mothra instead of a greedy capitalist. Okay. I'm going to take, there's, I guess there's two points there. I'm going to start with is something they like to do. Maybe they, we know they like singing, obviously they're great at it. We They're fantastic they, at it. They love it when they sing. It's, it's Mothra loves it when they sing. Mothra is fucking head over heels for that shit. Can't get enough of that shit. I don't think Mothra but has heels. Their first time singing on a stage had to be when they were kidnapped by Nelson and forced to. So you'd think this would be a little traumatizing, right? Not every... Just because something seems like it might be traumatizing doesn't mean for them it was traumatizing. Sure. Sure, that's true. They were pretty chill. They were just like, we yeah. don't. We're just worried about y'all. Like, Mothra's I mean, coming. They're fucking <laughs> fairies. Fuck we don't know how fairies operate. That's true. Okay. The other thing is, you said they're not doing it for greedy capitalists. This is a program. They are absolutely giving their labor to this program. Like they're yes. They, okay. But, do you but think the, the Shobajin use money? I mean. Now that that <laughs> island's been contacted, maybe it's been corrupted by society. and <laughs> Maybe they're bringing money back. <laughs> yeah. I, maybe if you go there now, there's like a mall being built. And uh... Do you think you think one of the peanuts rolls into like a corner store and holds up a, like a yen bill that's as big as them <laughs> to like buy some shit? Like there's no yeah. way they're getting paid It'd for be this. Very Their cute. labor is just being exploited by these capitalists. I meant through doing it because it's bringing those two kids joy. <laughs> Yo, I know, I know, but still, in the act of doing it for the kids, which is great, they are. There's no question that they're the they're getting no like their exchange value, whatever the the monetary mm. value of their of their labor, which is you know bringing joy, bringing audiences, going straight to the people who run the show, and. The use value is just bringing joy. I don't know, man. It 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 creeps yeah, me out. But overall, they're concerned with spreading like love and happiness. If some yeah. greedy capitalist fuck makes a few bucks off it, um, 
So be it, if that's their best way of spreading their message. The Shobajin are complicit in monetizing the spread of love and happiness, Charlie. Only those who pay may see the love and happiness. No. Anyone who has a TV that can watch the... Where are they TVs are just falling off of trees. They're just free now. I didn't know You've been in Japan. You know... Yes, you know that's how it works in Japan. You've been there. Welcome to No Gods, No Monsters, and uh, No Kings, No Princesses. Uh, we're the anti-capitalist kaiju and giant but monster podcast. some queens and some princes, until they become kings, um, at which point no more of them. <laughs> uh, we're the anti-capitalist kaiju and giant monster podcast in a world where no one is coming to save us. Well, Mothra, Mothra might come to save us. I don't know. Here with seems Charlie. Like, <laughs> seems like that's Today one we're of talking she about does. 1964's Ghidorah, the three-headed monster. Uh, Charlie, you want to tell us what this movie's about? All right. Um, I don't know why I need to tell people what this movie's about. I'm assuming if they're listening, they've already seen it. So. Because you're just really good at it. Oh, did you not watch charming. it? Is that why I need to read it? Oh, I only watched up to where I saw that the uh, proletariat Shobajin were performing for the bourgeoisie, and I turned it off. So I'm assuming that was close to the end? Yeah. It's a pretty okay. short movie. <laughs> Sweet. Um, all right, kaiju heads and kaiju butts. It's uh, just a warning. There's spoilers ahead. 1964 Japan. Weird shit has been going on. No, I'm not talking about the battle between a radioactive dinosaur and a giant moth that just happened a few months prior. I'm talking about a heat wave in January and one hell of a meteor shower. What the fuck is happening? Detective Shindo has been given the job of bodyguard to Princess Mas Dorina Salno of the country Seljina. The princess is visiting Japan in an attempt to escape assassination attempts on her life, and so Japan has decided to protect her with some random, dumbass, insignificant detective. Clearly, the Japanese government would not be bothered if Sano was killed, and here at the No Gods, No Monsters podcast, we completely agree. Down with the monarchy! Can I get a down with the monarchy, Rabbit? Down with them. Get them out of here. Get them out of here. Cancel. Ship them out. Without their heads. On her plane trip there, she is possessed by an alien intelligence from the planet Venus to jump from her plane, and right after she does so, the plane proceeds to blow up. Being broken up as such a hot chick was blown up, Shindo sees an article about a lady claiming to be a prophet from Venus, and he realizes that the picture matches that of the princess. He must track her down and protect her. The prophet is warning of Earth's destruction, but everyone laughs. Yes, in a world where giant monsters are common, prophecy is what crosses the line into absurdity and impossibility. Even when her projections prove to be correct, such as when she says Rodan will be awakened from beneath the earth, and then Rodan is awakened from beneath the earth, and then she warns about how a boat will be destroyed if it sets sail. Then the boat sets sail and Godzilla appears and destroys the fucking boat. Folks, I think she knows what she's talking about. Ask her for the scores of the big ball game coming up. Shindo's sister, Naoko, a journalist for a show about crazy shit, tracks down the prophet before her brother can because she is much more competent than some stupid cop. The princess warns the brother and sister that King Ghidorah, a giant alien, three-headed dragon, 
destroyed her civilization on Venus and has come to wreak destruction on Earth. Great. What we really needed was yet another fucking king. Ghidorah emerges from a meteor and badassedly starts destroying cities. The Shobijin come up with the idea to have Mothra convince Rodan and Godzilla to team up against Ghidorah. However, Rodan and Godzilla are pretty into fighting each other and pretty not into helping the humans who have a long history of being bullies. Eventually, Mothra is able to convince the two to fight Ghidorah, and an epic battle ensues, in which our three heroes come up victorious as King Ghidorah flies away to space. There's also been some assassination attempts and stuff going on that the princess survived. The end, with Yosuke Natsuki as Detective Shindo, Yuriko Hoshi as Naoko Shindo, Hiroshi Koizumi as Professor Murai, Akiko Wakabayashi as Princess Masterino Salno. The Peanuts as the Shobujin, Takashi Shimura as Dr. Sukamoto, Hisaya Ito as Malmes, Haruo Nakajima as Godzilla, a sentient lump of shit as the Mothra Larva, Masanori Shinohara as Rodan, Shuichi Hirose as King Ghidorah. Don't forget, the Earth will perish if it continues on like this. It's Ghidorah, the three-headed monster, baby! That's a mouthful. Yeah. Uh, this... Just going right into my general thoughts and feelings. This plot is so complicated. <laughs> and there's so many things in this plot that don't make any sense. And I don't mean to <laughs> me. I just mean it's impossible for them to make sense. And there are... A lot of podcasts that talk about this movie and talk a lot about that so i don't feel like we really need i just want to acknowledge that even if we're going to talk about themes and monsters more than that we know that this movie doesn't make any sense and you could listen to any other podcast on this movie and hear them talk about all the things that don't make sense um uh, what do you think of this movie charlie i think this movie makes total sense <laughs> and that's all my thoughts Sick. i had a feeling uh, that's what you're gonna say. <laughs> yeah, I uh I quite in it, it's it's a fun movie. It's definitely not one of the better ones. Um when you asked me about doing this podcast, I decided to watch a few movies and decide. I think this was the second one I watched after Mothra. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and it was definitely um crazy <laughs> at the time you told me you loved it and i but i had also set you up the expectation where i said it was terrible loved is maybe too strong of a word but like sure i think i just loved like the energy behind it the kind of like just complete insanity behind the plot <laughs> and just totally. like so fucking weird and just everything from just like the music numbers to um to just the fucking summit between the three monsters (laughs) like just the plot is just so crazy like you go from like a ufo convention on a roof to a plane with a princess from a place where they wear shakespeare clothes jumps <laughs> out of the plane because a light told her to suddenly showing up to make predictions like it's just balls out <laughs> yeah um yeah i i mean it made me so like up to that point 
Yeah, I've seen like a few movies, um, like here and there over the years, but I don't think it. Besides some of like the more classic ones, I don't think I've ever really sat down and fully paid attention um, to some of the goofier ones until this time. So this kind of like expanded my mind of what exactly uh, sure. the series had in store, and just. And I remember just saying, they're like, I didn't know the monsters ever talked in these movies. That's crazy. <laughs> and so, like, here I was, like, expecting, like, that to happen every now and then. Yeah. And now I know it's like, this is the only movie where that happens. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's just it's just a lot of fun. Um, yeah. <laughs> the fights are just so goofy. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I really, I, I, I enjoy the movie. I, I like it. Um definitely not top tier but perfectly fun romp totally i love romps um yeah i i am pulled in two very opposite directions with this movie where like by itself this movie's amazing like Mm -hmm. i love that it just doesn't care like it kind of almost reminds me of uh the the recent Godzilla versus Kong where it's like it knows what it is and it doesn't try to be anything else it doesn't care that it doesn't have a plot that totally makes sense and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter it's fun it has fun characters the monsters are just absolutely bonkers like the Ghidorah is it's it's just this flailing fucking crazed <laughs> head bobbing thing and it's like awesome and stupid at the same time so on its own, this movie's great. I think where I have trouble, and I know I'm a broken record with this, but thinking of this movie like in the trajectory of where, like where, how it's turning the trajectory uh-huh. of Godzilla movies is where it's hard for me. Like the Shobajin thing we talked about already, like it feels like this had already kind of happened with uh, King Kong versus Godzilla, but like where it started feeling almost like, like a, uh, a facsimile of a Godzilla movie like you get this theme that was so important in Mothra and then it's diluted to the point where it's just like oh this is what the fairies do it doesn't the theme kind of doesn't matter or like the going from this you know the threat of nuclear war with Godzilla to like the monsters are talking and and volleyballing a rock back and forth between their heads (laughs) that was really hard for me to get over I was like oh fuck this is where it's going but also constant close-ups of their goofy ass faces it just looks so ridiculous yeah like they like they figured out they uh so this is the same suit for godzilla as the last movie but the head had been broken so they did a new mm. one and he had mechanical eyes for the first time so i feel like they just wanted to show that off so they kept zooming <laughs> in on the eyes and going Wah. like it's yeah so i mean i say this all the time but if i can divorce myself if i can pull myself away from the trajectory then this movie's a great time um but it kind of makes me sad the way it turned it um i mean but you better get used yeah. to it because there's like oh i know 10 more goofy ass movies in the but line <laughs> i and i like i really like the next movie i really like some of the later ones and it's almost like it's still on the line so like when you get to like ever a horror of the deep i'm not tripping on that anymore because it's not turning anymore it's mm-hmm. just going in a straight line now um, and it's just fun. But this one's like, we're going to talk about nuclear war. We're going to talk about the environment. But then it's just going to be this. I feel like this is maybe Hana's most uh, Fukuda-esque movie. Sure. Um, and just, it's just complete goofiness. Um, 
Well, and especially the monster stuff, which he didn't direct, and I know he did not like them talking to each other and shit. Like, <laughs> so bummed. Like, absolutely upset. Yeah. Let's talk about the 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 princess Mas Dulina Salino of Salinga slash the prophet, that whole thing. Because that's, I think, a big driving centerpiece of this movie. One of the wackiest things. Um, also the first time that we have like a woman main character, which is fucking awesome, but it just seems like a good jumping off point. So one of the weirdest things about this movie is that we just don't have that much context. So what do we know about this princess and where she's from and what's happening as far as you know? Nothing. (laughs) Um, uh, yeah, there's, she's a princess. She's in line to be, uh, put on the throne. and a rival faction wants to uh, knock her off because presumably they want their own to be on the throne. Um, totally. In David Collatt's book, when he does the summary, the synopsis of it, first he mentions that the alien um, intelligence is from Mars instead of Venus. And he also that's mentions... That's the American version. You know, that's what I was going to ask about this part. Um, uh, he also mentions that the country... The assassination attempt is uh, from um, a communist faction that wants to turn the country into a communist country uh, instead of the monarchy it currently is. Oh, man. We're going to have to watch the American one eventually to, to comment on that. That's interesting. So, yeah, that's I mean, he never says I don't think he ever says that that's what the American version is. But that's what he like writes in the synopsis like that starts the chapter. So I'm just Weird. like, I don't remember them ever talking about like communism. In no. the movie. Um so no, like the I, only... I assume it also because he says it's Mars, not Venus, that like that, that must the be American. the American version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the American version is is a bit different, but I'm surprised it's that different. Holy shit! She says worried that Princess Sauno would be assassinated on her journey to Tokyo, allowing her imperial homeland to become a communist state. Japanese intelligence assigns Detective Shindo to protect her highness from the assassins. However, on route to Japan, Princess Sauno has vanished. Wild. Yeah, so like, yeah, what a trip. I just I mean, if we ever make it through all the Japanese movies, we should go back and do the American versions that are of the ones that are like drastically different. I think that'll yeah, we'll have a lot of fun with that. <laughs> um, so yeah, as far as I know, we know that there's a domestic dispute that someone wants to take the throne, and that her father was already assassinated. Presumably, yes. he was like the king or something. Um, or the next heir. I don't even know if he was like already the ruler, so she was supposed to take his place, or if he was the next in line and they killed him, and then she'd be the next in line. Yeah, I, I was gonna like say, that. who's ruling now? If her dad's already been killed, um, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we have no idea. <laughs> okay, um, so I also want to point out that the guards in the at, at their in their country they wear like they look like they're wearing Santa clothes, especially their hats look like Santa hats. Um, I mean, what about the neck things? I just feel like it's... Oh, like yeah, I know, the neck things, like, too. But, like, in the background, you see two guards oh, yes. by each door, and it looks like they're, like, wearing... They're wearing, like, very yeah. red stuff, and then their hats just look like Santa hats. So Definitely weird. look like Santa hats. <laughs> but, so yeah, funny. the rest of them, they, the whole fashion, or everyone we see from their country, when they're in their country, they're wearing just, yeah, like you said, Shakespeare garb. Just Yeah. Like, like what the hell? <laughs> I know that this movie was the lowest budget of like this era, like you know, mm-hmm. like the 
Ma uh, Mothra vs. Godzilla, this, and then Invasion of Astro Monster all kind of look similar. They all kind of have a similar mm. vibe, and this one's the cheapest and quickest made of them. I think the script came out, the first draft of the script came out in August, and the movie came out in December. So I'm assuming it was from some fucking play or some like, <laughs> a movie that they were doing that was unrelated, and they were just like, get some, because it's just so yeah. different than any of the other stuff we've ever seen. Yeah. Um. So... There's a guy, and he wears that shit, but he also wears sunglasses inside, and the combo of that is so funny. And, and this is the assassin, right? Um, so, Malness. Have you ever read? What'd you say? Malness, I think his name was. Malness. Oh, I didn't even know. I just wrote assassin. They say it once in the movie uh, when she like wakes up from her stupor and she sees him like shooting with a sniper rifle she's like malness is that you it's so weird in these movies when they do that yeah so have you ever read prison memoirs of an anarchist no do you know but i did book? write it <laughs> nice dude solid yeah i do made you know some, anything about that i that made book? some awesome money off that um <laughs> i think you've told me about it before but i don't remember what it's, or anything so, about it i only bring it up because when i think of botched assassination attempts that's the first one that comes to mind um alexander berkman tried to kill henry clay frick who was an american like industry dude who was also a union buster and he failed and he went to prison which is just pretty cool and i was trying to decide in my head who was cooler alexander berkman or this dude and i feel like okay alexander berkman tried to kill a union busting dude pretty cool one point this dude wears sunglasses inside pretty cool one point tied so uh -huh. but i think what really sets them apart is that alexander berkman didn't take orders from anybody but mm. this dude is a little bootlicking fucking shit like, <laughs> i think that we both probably were at times at least for me i was like man do i who do i want to win because this is a fucking royalty he's yeah supposed to be bad guy but he's killing royalty but then you see that this this fucking boss has his fucking fist up his ass and you're like fuck this dude this yeah we also don't know dude. like who the boss is like maybe that's like her brother or something like that like it's just <laughs> it's just trying to put somebody else in in place of the throne yeah um i just like, assumed we don't know. he was the guy trying to take the place but who fucking uh -huh. knows there's no the writers don't know like, right but i'm saying that guy for all we know that guy is like you know a her brother or something like that it's just like oh yeah exactly yeah i mean just saying yeah it's just it's just to put somebody else in the throne <laughs> well we do know that he sucks because we know it's yeah. to put somebody else in the throne we it's yeah. not like he's some fucking except insurrectionist. For, unless david Klatt's right and it's trying to put in place a communist government instead of the monarchy i don't like governments i don't care if they pretend to be <laughs> communist or not but it'd still be better i guess probably <laughs> um but yeah, so I, did you feel that tension at all for a while in the movie where you're like, yeah, kill the princess. And then you're like, oh, God, they all suck or, or no. Do you hate it? Uh, well, like um, Shindo points out, it'd be a shame for a girl like that uh, to to die like that because she's so hot, presumably, because he knows nothing about her except for her picture. Fucking <laughs> 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 cops, man. <laughs> Fucking cops. Uh, but no, yeah, I agree. I was just like, yeah, but fuck the monarchy. And it's like, and also, we see her, and she's like wearing like jewels, and she's like this yeah. super fancy, like shiny dress. And then like, 
at the end again, like when she like gets her mind back and she like dresses herself again. It's like once again, she's in like this fancy yeah. fucking bullshit that just like makes you hate anybody that would be wearing it because it's just like fuck you for yeah. wearing that rich shit. <laughs> Exactly. And like, okay, I know her mind was, well, we don't know anything about what happens to her mind, but presumably her mind was like taken over by this alien force from Venus at this point. But still, the first thing we see from her is that she's in a plane. She says a thing about the stars. A servant comes up from, you know, like his, like just got back from like fucking uh, as you like it or some shit and comes up to her and is like going to bring her a drink. And then the voice tells her, to flee the plane and she doesn't i know her mind's not under her control i guess but the first thing you see is that she doesn't care about any of this shit. she's like i'm getting out of here fuck all of you i wrote that down in my notes but then i was like i guess like if she said something about that they would like because the explosion was so immediate after she jumped off like they might try to restrain her or something um if but she, she didn't said know to them. what was happening all she knew is that they said to get out, and she doomed them all by opening yeah. the door to a fucking airplane midair. <laughs> it's true. Like, things do not go well after you open <laughs> Yeah, um, but if they all jumped into another dimension, that would have been fine. That's true. That's true. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I wrote that in my notes, and I was just like, what the fuck? Like, fuck you. You're a shitty person. <laughs> also, the last thing that that we see is her thanking a cop and saying that the only thing she remembers is the stuff the cop did. So yeah, princesses suck. Well, also she was thanking him for saving her life three times. And like, you're a princess, like give him some money or some property or something (laughs) like what the fuck? Like, (laughs) wow. Charlie's trying to fund the police. You hear that? (laughs) Fucking their budgets aren't increased enough. Jesus Christ. I'm trying because uh he if they I, have more training then they'll be better at dealing with no i was planning to assassinate him and steal all of his stuff and give it to all the poor people yep Charlie, none, of, none of that can go in man <laughs> okay so we've established the princess not cool the prophet she turns into, I think she's pretty cool. Kind of neat, yeah. First of all, she like immediately gives her bracelet away, her royalty bracelet, and she's just like, "Fuck bracelets! Who gives a shit about bracelets? Give yeah. me the and give me the gives clothes. it to a poor guy." Yeah, and I like that it it actually kind of comes across as anti capitalist. Like she says, mm-hmm. "Such things are worthless. You Earthlings must open your eyes." And then I gave it to a poor man. Like that's that's pretty sick. Hmm. Um, so yeah, what, uh, in general, you liked the prophet? Yeah. Um, I liked her. She's very, very weird character. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I pointed this out in my, my synopsis, like, it's just very funny how people are just like, you're bullshit. That's crazy. You're crazy. And they're living in a world where like giant monsters constantly attack. Um, there's even one point where like, she says something's going to happen at Mount aso aso and some uh science guy is like mon aso isn't volcanic at all you know she may be from another planet but i definitely wouldn't believe her prophecy where it's like the way he says it's like 
her just even being from another planet is more believable than the yeah. idea that she could foretell the future. Even though she's saying things like, Rodan's about to appear from the Earth, and then Rodan appears from the Earth. And something like that, you can't be just like, oh, that was just, she was just lucky. Like, that was pretty, <laughs> that's pretty fucking it, crazy it, and specific. That, that specific guy in the uh, coat would just kept giving me flashbacks to... um. Varan, like it's always the scientist being like, "Don't believe these people. Yeah. We have all the answers," and then they're <laughs> super wrong, and you never hear "I told you so" or, or like you never hear "You were right." Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's talk about how how she's treated. So she's coming out of nowhere. Uh, it's so. I mean, sorry, it's hard not to like identify with this. Like, I, I flash back to like two thousand nine or ten, being in a restaurant with my dad, drunk, like yelling at him that like. I, I don't need to get a career because the fucking world is gonna end and then, like he's just telling me i'm fucking crazy and laughing at me and then like here we are now and a hurricane just went a- through new orleans across land to new york and fucked them both up at the same time that all of the west coast is on fire and i'm like ah! it kind of reminds me of that <laughs> a little bit so i identify with her and your dad's like well you could become a firefighter <laughs> um but yeah, how do the public respond to, uh, to her, her prophecies? I mean, like I said, they're just like constantly yelling at her, like yelling jokes and just like think she's ridiculous. They're like, are you a woman or a man? Give us a strip yeah. show. Um, well, she's like, the world's going to end if you don't listen to me. <laughs> yes, totally. Uh, people say she suffers from megalomania. Um, and she even says the earth is on the brink of destruction, yet you refuse to take me seriously, which is mm-hmm. something I feel like I very much identify with. <laughs> um, what about how she's, I treated- mean, you also constantly scream at people, I'm from Venus, I'm from Venus. So you that's can also true. identify with that part. That's true. That's true. And I do dress like a fisherman. So you brought up how the, the scientists said it's absurd to bring up such predictions. There's other authority figures that respond mm-hmm. What do we have? We have the we have uh, Sukamoto, the uh, psychiatrist, uh, who's played by Shimura. Yeah, Shimura. Um, that was a little complicated. Like I, I feel like at some points he's sweet to her, but in general, like he doesn't give a fuck about her. You know? What yeah, I mean? he he kind of just thinks the whole thing is a joke, but not in the same way that everyone's just kind of like screaming insults. He's just kind of like, oh, this is this is weird, <laughs> and he like doesn't take it seriously but not in the way that he thinks it's just ridiculous it's just like i don't know he's just kind of joking around about it it's just and and he's very doctor like the worst kind of doctory uh-huh. where like he's like being soft and kind with her but like he decides to give her electroshock therapy without asking her and not because she's worried about where her memory went she he doesn't give yeah. a shit about what she wants in fact she goes yeah. King Ghidorah destroyed Venus and will destroy Earth. And he goes, go to sleep now. (laughs) Like, and then he asked the cop what they should do. And then they decide to electric fucking shock her. Like, what the fuck? That's so fucked up, dude. I also liked with the shock therapy. He's like, put it at 500. Anything more will kill her. It's like, I think you're pushing it with 500. (laughs) If anything more will kill her. Yeah, right. I mean, I guess I don't know a lot about shock therapy, but that... 
It's like, also, why do they have the dial for the electroshock therapy thing in a different room? And why does it go past 500 so far if it'll... Yeah. Is it, like, so dangerous to do like, it that they have to be in a different room? Like an x-ray machine? Yeah. And it goes up to, like, 3,000. <laughs> like, and, um... Okay, just, a, just a, a rule of thumb for you, Charlie. If I'm ever in need, you know, and you decide to help me... Not gonna happen. Medical medical attention right don't care please don't ever bring me to a doctor who the cops owe a lot because (laughs) he's helped the cops a whole lot that's a super nefarious sentence but what if that doctor starred in seven samurai and godzilla that's a tough one he'd be pretty old (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a bummer role for him because he's such an awesome actor and it's just like yeah it's like He's nice at some points, but he's so evil and creepy. It just it gives me vibes of like uh, some of the first movies we watched, like Them and Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms, where the mental health stuff was like the scariest part. And this, it was like, yeah. man, yeah, those assassins are scary, but they're not the ones who hooked her up to the machine that you turn a dial a little too far yeah. and she dies. I want to point out this was being filmed at the same time uh, Kurosawa's Redbeard was being filmed, and I guess Shimura got like. It took a day off or something from filming that so he could appear in this. Um, it's kind of an interesting little tidbit. Yeah. Totally. Because there are some other actors that uh, Honda wanted that he couldn't get because they were uh, doing Redbeard at the time. And because Kurosawa is so fucking meticulous that and a pain yeah. that the filming of Redbeard took so much longer they thought they actually had to refill those roles, I think. Yeah. Because they didn't yeah. have time. I've never seen I've Redbeard. I've never seen Redbeard. Hey, Jinx. Oh, did you say that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you cut out for a second, so... Oh, cool. yeah, we both said it. Um, Jinx! J- oh, oh, we're lagging. I said Jinx first. It's just the signal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, okay. No, I've always heard good things about it. It's just... It never seems plot-wise always up my alley, I guess. Um, mm. I, I do want to check it out sometimes, though. Okay, so we talked about the public. We talked about, in general, authority figures, how they responded. Um, well, another another authority figure was when they're in the diet uh, discussing what to do about the monsters. Um, she's brought up for some reason. Uh, the prophet's brought up for some reason. And the general, I forgot, was the general, the defense minister, or someone is just like that crazy woman or something like that. It's just yeah, completely kind of brushes her off once again while they're talking about giant monsters attacking tokyo with fairies in the room yeah and uh, and... like she's crazy none of that makes sense will you call on mothra with your song yeah (laughs) to to fight this this monster that uh, just exploded out of a meteor (laughs) yeah okay so i feel like the most complicated response is from Naoko. Naoko, the journalist. I feel like personally there's there's times where she's being respectful and believing the prophet, and there's times where she's kind of using her, kind of like everybody else does. Does that make sense to you? Do you get that vibe? Yeah. I guess like as it goes as the movie goes on, she seems to start believing more and more. Yeah. Um before anyone else really does. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, she, the whole reason why she's with her is to use her for her, uh, her peace. Um, yeah. 
for her and show she's like, doing. She says, like, oh, I'm your friend, don't worry, but doesn't really <clears throat> ask what she wants, and she, like, yeah, she's going to help get her voice out there, but also she wants her to sign an exclusive contract. Mm. So she doesn't want her, it's not that she wants her voice spread as far, it's that her weird show is yeah. a hook, you know, um, and gives away being... her position. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's that's such a hilarious part. Um, like, she knows there's assassins after her, they're on live TV, and she's like, oh, she's just at this hospital, she's at the Tsukumoto hospital. <laughs> Especially in a movie where, like, there's no explanation. The assassins just know what hotel she's in earlier and just, like, find her all the time. But did you add to I, that by giving them even more? <laughs> like, I, I don't think – I was thinking about this. I, I don't think that they knew the hotel. Um, I think it just happened to be the same hotel. Okay. That, in a world where they're that lucky, you help yeah, them even more. I know. <laughs> and, and, like, literally she was in, like, a shootout with the assassins, like, earlier that day. And yeah. she's still just like, oh, yeah, she's uh, – the person's hiding out here. On TV. <laughs> On live TV. Yeah. But Hilarious. she is the best ally that this prophet has. Yeah. I mean, you do get the feeling that – um. Yeah, there is, like, the behind incentive where you she is ultimately using her. But you also do get the feeling that she actually does, like, it's not mutually exclusive. She does seem to actually care about her and want to uh, protect her and kind of be her friend. I, I mean, I did get that feeling. For sure. So the first thing she does when she gets the princess in her... Uh, like in her hotel room is she goes to get her new clothes. She wants to change her appearance out of the fisherman clothes. Right. Mm -hmm. And also the first thing that the public does in response to her is talk about her appearance. Like she says some awesome first lines, the first lines of the prophet. Have you ever thought about the infinitely expanding universe? The time has come for all earthlings to awaken to their responsibilities as citizens of the universe. It's like, boom. Right. Yeah. Somebody's been, Tripping on some acid, smoking yeah. some of that weed. Totally, totally. Just like, I gotta get on a soapbox and say everything <laughs> right now. So I gotta expand everybody's mind. Yeah. So the response to that bombshell is, mm. are you a man or a woman? And how about a strip show? So two things about yeah. her appearance right away, right? And every time that she gives a prophecy, she draws a crowd, but the crowd isn't there for her prophecies or because they respect her, believe her, the crowd is there to mock, make fun of her because she's a spectacle. And I feel like, you know, there's the, there's the stereotype um, that's very old of like an old man with a beard standing on the street corner with a sign that says the end is nigh and nobody taking him seriously. But I think this is like the way this is shown is even more nefarious than that. It's like, it's, I don't know, this frustrating fact that I think was true then and is true now that, like people who are trying to warn folks about impending doom or action that needs to be taken for all of our safety are like not necessarily disregarded anymore. If they're, if they're not disregarded, they're uh, treated as a spectacle and like just treated as like, uh, I don't know, like a show. Like it's like, mm -hmm. like kind of like I was saying with the uh, show vision, it's almost like, the thing that's nice and wholesome and true and beautiful is just commodified. And she becomes a source of revenue for a TV show. She becomes a source of entertainment when like, and and it's this thing you see all the time where like, I don't know. The first thing that came to mind just now was a uh, fucking Greta Thunberg or whatever. Like, is it Thunberg, Thunberg, something like that. Something like that. Sorry. Who I'm not going to give my opinion on at all, but like 
just in general, the idea, right? She's like, we all need to save people. And they're like, we're going to put you on a magazine. We're going to, like, talk shit on you and and mm-hmm. speculate about your diagnoses, but we're not going to, like, actually take any of your advice. Um, and that's just the overwhelming vibe I get from this. And it's like, I think to me, that's one of the strongest social commentaries in the movie, even if I don't know how much they're trying to make it, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I don't really know if they are trying to make that commentary but i mean you can definitely now that you say that you can definitely read that into it for sure um and that is yeah honda you know he wanted to he viewed godzilla as he wanted it to end nuclear uh weaponry and you know everyone was like oh this is well i guess at the time not everyone was like oh this is great but like yeah people were like oh that's a such a great entertaining movie and oh that is a good message and then nobody gives a shit and not only that but then godzilla becomes just a draw for audiences yeah and it it and then it just slowly just loses the nuclear weaponry message as the years go on and it's just this huge franchise that's just uh has it's completely lost its message, um, and it's, it's just a huge franchise that will always make money, that people always go see. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and not that it be... completely loses it forever, but, like, yeah, I mean, I hadn't even thought yeah. of it in that meta aspect, but and I hadn't even thought of that it's, like, tied to the kind of the Shobajin in the beginning, but, like, yeah, it's, like, diluting this. It's just so weird that in a movie that's doing the thing that that's calling <laughs> attention to, it's almost like this battle even if it's subconscious between like the more political leading director and writer, and then like the effects people and the, the studio and their mm-hmm. the messages kind of like are self-referential about how fucking weird it is that they're making a movie about Godzilla. That's like this, you know, <laughs> what a trip you, you want to hear a joke? Yeah. I like jokes. Okay. A field researcher, a cop and a journalist walk into a bar the bartender says, what do you have? You know what they say? Blue Mountain. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird that they're ordering. Do you know what a Blue Mountain is? No. Sounds tasty. I looked it up. It's like, I'm probably going to get the things right. It's like rum, tequila, Kahlua, and like lime or something. Like it's a very like, it's not something I would think of as a day at work drink in the, like <laughs> noon or whatever. Yeah. It's just so funny that they're all like, I'll have a fucking Long Island iced tea, basically. Just... Yeah. Um, so I thought we could go into these characters a little, but I don't have a ton to say about any of them. Um, yeah. We're definitely getting like more and more stronger women who kind of like stand up on their own. Um, definitely. Uh, we're shown throughout that she's like, very competent at her job like her boss like is immediately like you take this story and like when they're like discussing like how what to do they he like turns to her and is like any ideas like it's very obvious that she's good at her job and everyone kind of respects her for that um she's also shown to be kind of more competent than her brother who's a detective like when it comes to tracking down uh uh the princess prophet like she's able to do it much more much more quickly than her brother who you know is a detective so it should be very easy <laughs> for him <laughs> but she's also uh, just way more likable um, yeah 100 percent. 
more of a main character. Like Shinzo's just kind of like weirdly showing up, like where she's mm-hmm. kind of the driving force. Yeah, totally. Um, I felt bad for her that the first scene was her and like mostly a shit ton of men on this roof. And then they're like, oh, the UFOs didn't come because there's a non-believer. Like, the woman! <laughs> like, it was so yeah. weird. And she's like, I'm sorry, I'm trying to believe. It's also so, so but... weird that that's like, that's the first thing they think of. Like, yeah. this must be the reason why we can't talk, the, why we can't contact the UFOs today. Um, <laughs> it also, yeah, because I think in that scene, they're like, We've been contacting them every night before, but now the reason why must be because you're not here. But like, it's so weird because they're not like, what have you been con? What have you been talking to them about? Like, you've been talking to the UFOs, and then like they don't follow up. Like later when they're like, oh shit, shit from other planets are happening is happening here. Like, yeah, we got we got some Venus people, we got some King Ghidoras. Maybe we should go to the UFO people who say that they talk to aliens every night and ask them what they've been talking about. <laughs> I I must admit that they were talking about them. I I for some reason thought like, oh, we've been seeing UFOs every night, but I, it yeah. Um, I thought they said, I thought they were specifically talking about contact. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was seen, but I thought that they were, they mentioned like, like what, contact. How do you define contact? You know, like first, second, third encounter. I don't know. It could be either one. Um, yeah. I. And, it's funny that you say we don't, they don't check back in with them again. Cause we do. Like, <laughs> that's such a funny scene where it's like, I wonder how the princess survived. And then it just yeah. cuts to the UFO guy explaining to us. <laughs> well, she fell in a, what is it? A gap between a gap know, between, or, or she fell into another dimension. <laughs> uh, I think the line is, hold on. Where is it? She fell into a, uh, into a gap in dimensions. Like, <laughs> and, and then it just cuts away. It's so yeah. absurd. It's also like, like they're looking at the script and they're like, "Oh shit, we have a loose end here that people might question. How did she survive falling from the plane? Fuck, we have to answer it somehow." <laughs> and they're like, "All right, now that we got that figured out, nobody can question anything about this about the plot." <laughs> it's so weird. Um, what about uh, what about Shindo? Um, yeah, he's a cop, but <laughs> he's a good one. No. Not joking. No. Um, yeah, he's, uh, it's so weird how they're, and once again, I brought this up in the synopsis, how it's like, you're going to be the bodyguard. You just random Tokyo <laughs> cop who, like, doesn't seem to have any kind of, like, notable experience is very yeah. young like you're okay. gonna be the bodyguard for a fucking princess <laughs> because she, we want to like, keep I'm it in over my head like <laughs> so weird um anything else about him i that's all i got really yeah i mean he's just he's a he's a dumb cop and like yeah he he is a dumb cop <laughs> um okay mariah the field researcher who's the guy, I forget the actor's name, but from Mothra and then Mothra versus mm-hmm. Godzilla. Yeah, he pretty much plays the same character. Um, yeah, except he's not yeah. scared of cameras. Um, yeah. I can't help thinking of, of him as the Steve Zissou of this movie. <laughs> because like, of his outfits? 
Well, like, he's just the leader of this funny, kind of silly group of researchers that doesn't really seem to know what they're doing, and they're all wearing the same jacket rather than the hat, but they all have the funny hats, too, and when they take them off, they have funny sweaters, and they're all just, like, this cute group of field researchers that really doesn't seem to have any clue what's going yeah. on, and it feels very much like a life, the Life Aquatic. And they're singing David Bowie songs in Portuguese. That's That's the part that really made it sing, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't have much to say about him. He's barely a character, but their scenes are like weirdly charming. Yeah, I agree. Um, like I said, he's pretty much the same character as he's been playing, except for like he's not as prominent yeah. in this as he was in the other ones. Um, totally. But yeah, I agree. His whole expedition group, those scenes are kind of charming with him just trying to figure the meteorite out. Um, yeah. Which... Also, I have questions about, like... Everything. (laughs) Like, why was it... It seems like they they thought it was so notable that it had strong magnetic pull. And then they're like, like, oh, shit, it's it's not magnetic anymore. And then they're like, oh, it's magnetic again. Like, what was the whole purpose of it not being magnetic anymore? Like, I have no idea. Because (laughs) they were like, oh, it'd be a kind of cool effect in this boring scene to pull a bunch of pickaxes with strings and then say that they were being pulled by a magnet. That's the answer. Yeah, but then all of a sudden they're like, oh, it's not magnetic anymore. And then they're like, oh, it is magnetic again. The string broke, so they couldn't do okay. the effect. <laughs> that makes sense. No, I I have no idea. You think it's going to be this cool mystery and it just doesn't matter. Just like mm-hmm. so many other things in the movie where you're like, wait, why yeah. did this happen? It doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I don't know there's so many questions like what what are what is anyone supposed to do what's the point yeah. in inhabiting this person's body and prophesizing stuff if there's literally nothing you can do rodan's coming okay yeah run away for a minute <laughs> i guess or like Ghidorah's coming okay what are, what am i supposed to do it's not even from... like she's like rodan's coming and then like five minutes later like rodan yeah. comes <laughs> well thanks for the heads up <laughs> um okay what about the class traders the shobajin <laughs> oh my god <laughs> okay i gotta say you are really upset about them being on tv i gotta say uh context aside i loved their musical numbers especially the first yeah. one in this awesome so awesome yeah pretty Mildly psychedelic again. Yeah. The cool thing where they're overlaid, like their faces over the turned Mothra, which is so funny to me. Just like this deep song with beautiful lyrics where you see the lyrics for once and it's like, I forget all of it, but like the line, like, then why do you cry? And like, yeah. it's this turd, like bobbing. <laughs> but it's awesome. It's great. Um. Also, I thought it was funny how uh, they're like what happened to the other Mothra? And they're like, oh, she died. Like, yeah. There's like no emotion. They don't care at all. Like it was like less than a year ago too. Like yeah. it was super recent and it was like a baby Mothra. And they're just yeah. like, no big deal. <laughs> just, it's like, they're like, oh, I guess in the script, when they're writing the script, they're like, I guess we have to address the fact that there were two Mothras last time. All right, I'll just write that line in there. <laughs> I think it was last minute too, because I think there yeah. were going to be two Mothras in this originally. Okay. That would have been so it kind of makes it make sense. But yeah, it's such a funny line. It died. <laughs> little child. Yeah. Um, speaking of and children, did you notice? I don't know why this is so funny to me, but there's the two kids asking them the questions and they hold up a microphone to one of their 
mouths and he's like how is mothra doing and then the other one asks a question but there's no microphone and i don't know why it makes me laugh so hard it's just like they're working so hard it's like in my mind like this one kid they just know is so fucking quiet they just (laughs) and the other kid he's got it it's nobody else it's just so funny to me for some reason another thing that's funny about that uh whole scene is they're like we're gonna sing this song close your eyes and you'll see mothra and then it does the whole musical number. And then at the end of it, it's a shot of Mothra. And then it zooms out. And it's a shot on TV where people are just watching the TV with Mothra on it. Like, what the fuck? How did they film that? Oh, God. So <laughs> not to... only are the Shobachin class traders, but they're also helping with the colonization of Infant Island by bringing a camera <laughs> to document fucking National Geographic shit. <laughs> uh, god damn it the only other thing i want to say oh wait okay no one plot hole thing that just occurred to me i can't not say <laughs> the fucking the reporter and the prophet get a hotel room and the prophet's like we're not alone and the fairies are just on the bed like how did they know which room to go in and how did they get in the room the fairies are prophets too but like how they're tiny how did they get in there they Doesn't slipped matter. under the door crack. Um, last Shobajin point. I just think it's so funny that people ask them a question. I forget what it was on the boat. And the fairies go, telepathy is not for prediction. We can't tell you anything, but Rodan will appear again soon. <laughs> what? Like, what is the point of these fucking fairies in this movie? to translate what Mothra (laughs) it talks about with Godzilla and Rodan. I just don't understand that line. The greatest scene in the franchise history. Okay. That's a good segue. Let's talk about the monsters. So, as we've mentioned in the past, in this episode, these monsters were all symbolic until pretty recently in the movie history right Mm -hmm. godzilla is the destructive forces of humans going beyond a point where humans can control them anymore mothra is like protection virtue hope faith in humanity mommy oh mothra is mommy (laughs) rodan is like the tragic and rampant destruction that comes from the earth and the humans fucking with it i mean there's more to him than that but blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. suddenly they're just fighting each other (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and Rodan, the, the 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 metaphor for the destructiveness of nuclear weapons is fighting the metaphor for the destruction of the earth but they're clearly that's not what's happening but they're fighting <laughs> and then mother comes up and talks to them. so what do you think of this scene <laughs> i guess that's what i'm trying to say well it was a, it's a lot like in uh the last movie where Godzilla is just like for some reason obsessed with fighting that egg. Like yeah. he's out destroying the city and then he sees Rodan fly overhead and he's just like, fuck, I gotta fight that Rodan. He just like just starts following the Rodan because he just really wants to fight the Rodan. And yeah. why? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I I don't <laughs> I think you're trying to look for too much meaning in the fight here. I'm not necessarily. I think I might just be trying to point out 
what's happening (laughs) that's all gone yeah there is some meaning in this scene as much as it weirds me out that they're talking there's something going on about like mothra is her role more than the others are right yeah definitely i mean it's the meaning is like you know putting aside differences to come together to to, to fight something that's uh, more important uh, to come together to yeah to, to work against something that's needs to be worked uh together yeah. against and i think mothra would phrase it not so much about the what you're fighting but what you're defending right like mothra mm. says um the earth doesn't belong to humans alone it's ours too we should defend it yeah and it's like maybe you have beef with the humans. I love that line about the humans are bullying us. Like that destroyed <laughs> yeah. me the first time I watched this it. Like, is the greatest. Bullying? That's the term. <laughs> the humans are bullying are bullying me. <laughs> this nuclear these nuclear attacks and strip mining, they're such bullies. Um, <laughs> I love the nihilist in me loves the line where it's like, is it like Mothra's talking to them? Is it working? No, Godzilla and Rodan don't care. <laughs> I fucking love that line. They just like we don't care. We're just gonna throw this rock at each other. <laughs> oh my god! But it's none of their business. Like yeah. it's so funny too because it's like Godzilla sees Rodan, like you said, and Rodan sees Godzilla, and so they, they gotta fight. But then they hear about another monster coming. They're like, I don't care. <laughs> Not right in front of me we got beef to settle um i also love how mothra shows up and she spits her string on godzilla and then rodan clearly is laughing at godzilla and then she spits her string at rodan and godzilla is clearly laughing at rodan (laughs) it's so fucking silly so petty too they're like uh oh it's they're almost there oh they both think the other should apologize And then, uh, I forgot, uh, Shindo, I think, says, like, oh, so it's not only humans that are stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, also when they say, oh, they don't care. They're like, uh, Godzilla and Rodan don't care. They say, like, bastards. They're like, damn, <laughs> those bastards. Yeah. <laughs> what? You just called Godzilla and Rodan a bastard. <laughs> oh, God, it's so stupid. Yeah, this movie okay. rules. Yeah. Um, yeah, so obviously there's something about, you know, just because some humans suck doesn't mean we shouldn't defend the Earth. This is our home, too. A good message. Very similar to the message in the last movie. Um, yeah. Where they're trying to convince Mothra to fight Godzilla. They're like, uh, you know, not all humans are bad, and even if they're bad, that doesn't mean they deserve to die. Um, but kind of similar vibe to the message. Yeah. This one's more like, look, we know you're never going to like humans, but still, humans, the humans fucking up the earth fucks with you too, so does Mm. Ghidorah fucking up the earth. Okay, so we're like deep in this movie, uh, Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, and we haven't even talked about Ghidorah yet, so let's fucking do it. So I guess we already kind of pointed out, or you already kind of pointed out what Ghidorah represents. It's like, because I know there's been a lot of speculation over the years of does Gazora represent like I mean very about like very specific things, but it does feel to me, I think I agree that it's just the outside threat. It's just mm-hmm. a common enemy that's like the the one thing that unites 
humanity, Godzilla, Rodan, and Mothra, is that they're from Earth, and this thing from the outside is threatening it, you know? Yeah. Which, like, can be a very good thing, you know? Can be a very powerful source of inspiration, motivation, but can also be extremely dangerous and a way to excuse very, very bad things. That yeah, totally. So I don't know, it's not, like, nearly as strong as a lot of the other themes of these movies, but it's something, you know? Mm-hmm. I guess, uh, what'd you think of Ghidorah? Oh, man, I love uh, Ghidorah, Ghidorah, I don't know how you pronounce it. He's so cool looking. Um, he's, he's so ridiculous in this movie where his neck and heads are just, like, constantly bobbling around, with, like... <laughs> In just like such a hectic way, <laughs> and, so hectic. and it has that no, constant kind. Of... <laughs> no aiming, no motive, no. just absolute <laughs> destructiveness. Yeah, and probably on accident. You know, just that's know. all they could do. But it's perfect. I know, I love it. And there's that constant squiggly noise behind. Such a silly, weird noise for like this all powerful being, but it like works so well with those necks yeah. uh, just constantly bobbling around. <laughs> totally. I love that they somehow, like, this is an incredible kaiju. Like, this is the most complicated mm-hmm. one they've ever done so far. And its heads are just flailing, but somehow they time the destruction right where at certain points their head, the heads shoot the super awesome lightning. I love it. And it destroys stuff. And like, most of the monster stuff in this movie is just silly there's nothing good about it to me or like in a like in the way of like oh that's a fucking scary monster destroying the city but the scenes where Ghidorah is just destroying cities are fucking awesome like yeah they rule effects are the best in the movie and somehow it works like it looks so stupid you can feel the strings pulling the heads but they they lean down to shoot just in time to blow up a building like it's fucking awesome you can even see the strings in some of the shots. Um, uh, yeah. But, yeah, it, it rules. The costume is is so, so cool looking. I yes. love that that costume so much. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the I wish there was more city destruction with uh, Ghidorah, uh, Ghidorah attacking cities. Because you don't even see him until, like, the last, like, 25, 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Um definitely could use some more of them definitely i mean i i think that i don't remember where i heard this but basically it was so difficult to get a single shot with him because the costume and the strings and the amount of people that like every yeah. shot they got with him was a miracle <laughs> and it was so complicated and difficult that like it's mind-blowing that they tried it in the first place and then that they kept putting him in movies like he's in the next yeah. movie and every like, time they shot with him was terrible all right terrible. a few months later let's make another movie with him yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, he's so great. I mean, he's so silly. It's kind of funny to me that he became the biggest foe because it's just like, and like the head's flailing, but it just all works together. Um, what'd you think of, speaking of, we don't see him till a certain amount of time into the film. What'd you think about that first, like his birth from the, from the egg thing, the meteor? Um, that was pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, it's, it's the whole meteorite that they're looking at the whole time and then uh, like it's growing and meteorites grow and then all of a sudden yeah it's just this cool special effects where all these all this fogs coming out and sparks and then uh 
there's more and more sparks and more and more fog and then it explodes open and it's just fireball and from the fireball emerges a three-headed fucking dragon it rules with electricity powers and no fire powers yeah (laughs) i don't and also but it's awesome looking it has no arms which is a weird decision to (laughs) so funny two tails just tiny little wings Uh, um but yes i loved uh the birthing sequence hell yeah what about you i thought that was great i thought that was i mean it's it's just so it's perfect for this movie it's just like why Mm. i don't care none of the rest of it makes sense it's just cool and that's great it's funny and cool at the same time it's great Ghidorah, like i mean as far as the monster stuff go he is the saving grace of this movie to me it's he's his his just random destruction is such a perfect counterpart to like rodan and mothra they fly over it destroys things underneath them godzilla he points his uh his breath and it destroys the thing in front of him. this is just random utter destruction it's like he's the joker mm-hmm. to the batman like it's just so he's he's fucking good. chaos That's, he represents yeah. chaos exactly exactly and as an anarchist godzilla can't handle that mm. chaos he does not want mm. chaos he's got to bring order back you know <laughs> mm-hmm. that's everything um, i know about anarchists that, that suits what about the other monster fights what did you think of them? That volleyball scene is so ridiculous and stupid. <laughs> it's so... I, I just love... I know I've said this before, but the the continuity of the canon that uh, King Kong taught him to throw rocks and he's just been into it ever since. God <laughs> Yeah, even when they're fighting uh, Ghidorah and Godzilla just like throws tons of rocks. At yeah. <laughs> I feel like the scenes with Rodan... And Godzilla fighting just suck. There's no... Yeah, I mean, we've established last episode you don't like the goofy... goofy, Or not the last episode, the... I, la- the Mothra vs. Godzilla. You don't like the goofy fights. And that, I like the This, this is a very goofy fight. <laughs> goofy fighting. Like, I like... Um, at the end, when they're all fighting Ghidorah, and they're, like, teaming up, and fucking Mothra gets on Rodan's back and is shooting from it. Like, <laughs> yeah, so I cool. love that part. It's awesome. <laughs> But I don't know. That, I mean, Rodan is just so weak looking in this. Like that first shot yeah. of Rodan popping out and then the mouth opening. You're like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? Yeah. And like I said before, they keep doing close-ups of both his and Godzilla's face. And they just have both such goofy faces in this. Um, yeah. Like Rodan seems to be intentionally just like a goofier designed Rosanne. Just Rodan. Not Rosanne. Yes. <laughs> um yeah, just he in just general. gets goofier and goofier. He looks yeah. so much better in the original. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, he's just a derp. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of the fight between Godzilla and Rodan. It's not a good fight at all. No. And even before the rocks, like, honestly, the rocks might be the best part. Like, they're just... <laughs> like, there's a while where Rodan's just flying through the air at first, and Godzilla's just staring at him for so <laughs> long, just like... I do like the part where Rodan picks Godzilla up and uh, yeah. flies with him. That's pretty cool. That part's great. Yeah, and then the fight with uh, Ghidorah. I like how uh, Godzilla offers his tail to Mothra to, to carry her up the, the hill. Which, like, the last time in Mothra vs. Godzilla, Godzilla hated it when Mothra 
clamped onto to yeah. his tail. So that that just shows like this shows this this extra level this extra level of trust and love that their relation has developed to, where he's now. It's not even she's like, can I grab on your tail? He just automatically just offers his tail to her. That's just such. That's just relationship goals. Relationship yeah, second goals. date is going way better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, way better. Not at first. At first, he's like, I'm <laughs> just broing out. Yeah, but I'm just gonna wrestle with my with my buddy here. <laughs> totally. I don't want to talk to any girls. Yeah, I I like the last. I like the last fight maybe it's that by then i've given up on there being cool fighting or maybe it's that it actually gets cool it does feel a lot more i, I thought it was, i like the fight a lot um cool. there was a editing mistake i spotted which i'm sure every podcast mentions where Ghidorah and rodan are, are rodan they're both flying and rodan fucking rams into Ghidorah, and then Ghidorah drops to the ground and he like falls and it's supposed to be like this big hit and then like it cuts to the next shot where Ghidorah is like standing up over Rodan like <laughs> it cuts from him just like falling onto the ground in this devastating blow and then just the next shot is him standing over Rodan being like yeah. fuck you I got you in general the editing is the worst it's ever been in this movie yeah I can the see human that stuff this stuff it's just bad it's it's kind of weak that Ghidorah just flies away. I don't know. <laughs> it's just like, we're done. And then the yeah. final lines, like, okay, we're going back to Infant Island. Godzilla <laughs> <laughs> like, and Rodan don't matter. They're just standing there. I don't know. Yeah. Bye. Godzilla's like, when can I see you again? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I also thought it I don't know. It's just so obvious that the miniatures that they use for Godzilla and for the destruction of Godzilla and Rodan are just like cheaper than the ones for Ghidorah. Like Ghidorah's city destruction looks awesome, but like Rodan blowing the roofs off just looks like crap. I mean, Godzilla attacking that ship looks kind of cool. looks okay. Um, oh, that brings up two things we haven't talked about. The whales. Those whales are sick. It's like a funny thing out. Yeah, that's so funny. They're like, oh, you thought this was going to be Godzilla? No, this is whales, baby. And then it's just Godzilla chasing the whales. And then Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> um, those, God- those whales are awesome. One weird thing that just sucks in the movie is like when Godzilla uses his breath on the ship, it looks awesome. But most of the time he uses his breath, it's just like white or gray smoke again, like it is in Rage yeah. Again. And it yeah. just looks like shit, but his spines are still glowing. Mm-hmm. It sucks. Yeah, maybe he's just out of energy. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I really like that that fight where like the three of them end up the, the part where like just the three of them are teaming up against Ghidorah. And like you yeah. said, Mothra's fucking on Rodan's back and shooting her string on him while. Godzilla's just like grabbing him by his tail trying to lift him up. It's just a yeah. fucking awesome triple T and just like man, makes me want to watch wrestling and I never liked <laughs> I, I liked wrestling for like a month long period when I was like a young a young lad but now that she's like watching it's like fuck yeah, wrestling rules <laughs> as long as they're monsters. Totally. You know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. Um, One thing we haven't mentioned that is 
Mothra never becomes a moth. Yeah. It's <laughs> such a bummer. Like, fuck y'all. What? I know. It's such a weird... Maybe they're like, she's too young to become a moth. She can't become a moth yet. I think it would have just been too complicated to have three flying creatures with all the strings. Yeah. Um, that's my guess. I don't remember the reason. Uh, but it's such a bummer like i was watching this with ira and i i at one point was like hey i just don't want you to get your hopes up like mothra never becomes a moth and i was like what are you kidding me that's what i've been waiting for that's what i've been looking forward to i was like i know i've been there dude that's would have been the best huh it's so disappointing like no it's just gonna say a lump of shit the entire time (laughs) totally totally oh speaking of mothra and moths we should point out in our Mothra versus Godzilla episode. Anyway, uh, a listener, Elbarto, uh, shout out to Elbarto, messaged us and shout- pointed out that there actually is a reason. Like we were saying um, that it was weird, for, especially from an artistic point of view, to go from the moth to the larva form. And he pointed out, I'm going to get this kind of wrong because I'm not reading it in front of me, but that there was actually like a dichotomy being shown between the nets, the metal nets that the military uses on Godzilla to trap him and how it doesn't work. And then the silk nets used that actually do work. And it's this, it kind of plays into the like man versus nature or the like mechanical or technical technological versus natural themes of the movie and i thought that was a really cool thing that we missed uh that elbarto pointed out so fuck yeah elbarto significantly smarter than either of us yes absolutely unquestionably except Um, for a bad taste of music but let's go on why do you say that oh (laughs) the ska yeah damn that's harsh. Uh, for the record, Alberto has an excellent taste in music other than ska. <laughs> and is a great musician. So, not everybody uh, knows this, but we aren't just a giant monster podcast. We're actually, we get a little political sometimes. Kind of. I try peek not behind, to. Peek behind the curtain there. So, let's talk for a minute about, there's not a lot, about but about the political The California Recall. <laughs> The political institutions in this film. Oh my god, I just got it. I don't even live in California anymore. And I just got a text from Gavin Newsom that said, like, let me explain. Or like, give me a minute. Or something. I forget. It was so desperate and sad and weak. It's going to be very funny if, uh, and horrible if Larry Elder um, becomes oh. the next California governor. And then Diane Feinstein dies because she's 103 yes. years old and then they it, they lose it, the senate still yeah and, <laughs> oh god let's not i can't i'm gonna cry we're all whatever we're all gonna die in 15 years anyway from climate change it doesn't matter oh uh, so, i'm gonna die in five years so don't worry cool um Speak we better get through these godzilla movies a little faster wow i'm sorry <laughs> First political institutional thing is the discussions. I mean, I guess basically the main ones uh, besides cops who suck are the discussions that happen in the diet building, which is like the, what do you, how do you describe it? Like the Capitol building or like the, the, just the main government building of Japan? Uh, I mean, I just kind of think of it as like um, where Congress debates or the fuck that is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know shit. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, 
We go there twice. The first time, there's a man who is questioning the defense ministry or the government in general. He says, how will the government deal with this crisis? Uh, and it, I think he's talking about all three monsters or is he just talking about or Godzilla and Rodan? I think he's talking about Godzilla and Rodan. That's or right. maybe That's he, right. actually, I think he's talking about all three, but like as two separate. Because yeah. I think he has two separate responses to that one for Ghidorah and one for Rodan and Godzilla. That's that's right. So he says, how will the government deal with this crisis? I call on them to give a straight answer or something. And the defense minister is like, we're closely monitoring the monsters. We're working with the international blah, 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 the, like the international community. This is the entire world's problem. Would any of you dare suggest we use atomic weapons against Godzilla and Rodan? Which is a pretty heavy, gnarly part all of a sudden out of nowhere in this movie. Well, I also like how the defense minister is just like, we're monitoring, we're trying to figure it out. What, would you want us to fucking nuke them? <laughs> like, I never said that. Like, why are you? <laughs> look, we're looking at them, okay? Oh, you're trying to tell us we should do more than look at, look at them? We might as well nuke them. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty pretty heavy response. <laughs> it yeah, because it, it totally feels like it's covering up for their shitty, their inaction. Like the, he's such mm-hmm. a PR dude as they always are. Like yeah. look, we're looking at him and we're talking to people. Okay, <laughs> anything else would be the end of the world. Like nuclear destruction, <laughs> worst that could ever happen. Ugh. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's funny. He's just like we don't know what the fuck to do. We don't know what the yeah. fuck to do. Which I, which I, I'm like. Well, look, the last time you guys tried to deal with Godzilla, uh, nets really helped a lot, so <laughs> why don't you try those? I mean, it is actually kind of awesome that the government's doing what I want them to for once. Just being like, look, we can't do shit about these monsters. Just, you know, <laughs> just chill. Like, they're going to do what they're going to do. We're not going to... They're just going to kill all our dudes if we try to shoot them. They won't care. <laughs> it's actually kind of an improvement like they're learning something yeah but um yeah it's interesting that they reference the nukes because that's obviously i mean for japan that's such a big deal obviously and because of the history of godzilla but uh so i was listening to kaiju transmissions awesome podcast definitely listen to their podcast um in general but their episode on Ghidorah the three-headed monster is really good Kyle Bird from that podcast, um, the, he talks about the original script, and it seems like that scene is like a holdover from the original script. And I reached out to him and asked where he got that info, and he said it's from John Millay's book, Writing Giant Monsters, which is all about like the scripts for these movies. So I just wanted to uh, basically say what he said about what the original script said, because it's way more political and interesting. Basically, in the original script, a rogue group called the World Federation wants to nuke Ghidorah on Japanese soil. And the main character, who's not the princess, the princess isn't even in it, is like, no. Actually, the main character's name is Goro, which is wild. They use that name all the time. Um, Fuck yeah, more combat. He's like, no, we tried that on Venus and it destroyed Venus. Venus was destroyed by nukes. You shouldn't do that. Then Ghidorah flies to New York City and destroys the Statue of Liberty, which is crazy. Hell yeah. Uh, the U.S. almost gives the order to nuke Ghidorah, but uh, Goro convinces them to call on Godzilla, Rodan, and Mothra to fight Ghidorah instead. 
So the nuclear launch doesn't happen, but, like, it's this wild thing where the whole time that they're fighting, if they fail to kill Ghidorah, the audience, like, the viewer knows that that means that the U.S. is going to nuke Japan. It's, like, very Shin Godzilla. It's really intense. I was about to ask, at that point, because the last thing you said was that uh, Ghidorah attacked the Statue of Liberty, so I was wondering where the fighting was taking place when they would nuke them. But okay, oh, you just I said... think it's Japan. I'm not sure. Maybe, but the U.S. was going to use the nuke, so I doubt... Yeah, it's... probably Japan. Yeah, it's probably the U.S. got more involved because they're like, that's our Statue of Freedom! We're going to freedom yeah. all over you fuckers! Um, <laughs> so that movie, way darker than this version, right? Yeah, holy shit. It's like, it reminds me a movie. lot of Godzilla... Like, The Return of Godzilla in 1984. Um, have you seen that one? No. Okay. Super similar to that in that there's, like, the threat of the U.S. nuking Japan because of the monsters. And also kind of similar to Shin Godzilla. The epilogue, like, the ending of that movie, of that script, is that Ghidorah leaves, just like he does in this one, but then the World Federation, that rogue group, says that they now want to nuke Godzilla and Rodan. And the end is Godzilla and Rodan standing on Mount Fuji, kind of like they're just standing there at the end of this one. And it's just left open-ended. Like, we don't know if they're about to get nuked or not. Damn. Right? Like, That's fucking gnarly. the trajectory of the whole Showa era if that was this movie instead of what happened. That'd be particularly interesting because then they'd have to address whether or not they actually nuked them yeah that's true but in um, general just like man bringing it back to like these huge political yeah. issues nuclear war i don't know that sounds like a really great like, equally crazy but also really cool movie yeah that seems awesome and um yeah i mean this kind of really this movie kind of sets the tone for the rest of the show era uh we're just completely ups the goofy factor and that kind of largely takes place so just yeah like you said imagine the trajectory of the of the movies if it had been that fucking dark ass shit uh totally serious shit that that's uh that's an alternate dimension i'd like to step in and uh i think both of us might have appreciated that that series of movies more yeah totally like i i yeah and there's definitely, though, it's cool that this, um, it didn't go away. Like, clearly, people remembered mm-hmm. this stuff, or at least it, it's relevant because, again, there's, we'll get there at the beginning of the Heisei era. Um, well, again, shout out to Kyle Bird and especially to John LeMay for giving us a peek into that alternate universe. Uh, John LeMay has written, I haven't read any, but I've, I know about the, like, I've heard people talking about them and his books, he has written a shit ton of movies or books on, like, unmade godzilla and unmade king kong movies that like almost were made or were in the works and it's super interesting so check them check them out because uh we wouldn't have known about this at all without uh kaiju transmissions or or john lemay okay so they go into the diet we go into the diet one more time this time with the shobajin what did you think of that scene i thought it's very funny how uh there's this meeting of the government of Japan in front of the prime minister and the uh, defense minister and just some random professor is able to like go up and speak about what he thinks should be done about the monsters. And he's like, 
hey, I got some fairies here. Let's bring them out. They have a good idea. Yeah. And then they're talking to the fairies, and the fairies are like, well, Mothra wouldn't be able to beat um, King Ghidorah on her own. And then the people that brought her out are both like, wait, what? Really? Like, did you not discuss this before? Like, bringing this out before? (laughs) The prime minister and the defense minister and the TV? (laughs) How did you not discuss this? Um, But yes, that that made me laugh. Um, And then obviously uh, she gives out the location of the princess (laughs) and... um, and the general, the, the the defense minister is like, well, the princess is crazy, but let me hear what these fairies have to say. Yeah. <laughs> as this scene makes so much more sense to me as a holdover from the last movie, because they're trying to convince the government in, in like from, sorry, from the, the original script, they're maybe trying to convince the government not to use nukes or not to, to mm. tell them not to use nukes. But without that, this scene makes no sense to me. Like, why? What is yeah. the? I, this is what I say all the time. But what is the role of the government here? Like, <laughs> the, the the fairies call Mothra. Yeah. What does the government do? They're just like <laughs> the, the fairies have called Mothra before. We've seen them do it. I know. <laughs> why are, With no involvement from the government. <laughs> yeah, the government's just like, uh, oh yeah, shit. Can you do that? And they're like, oh yeah, yeah we can go do ahead that. and. Go ahead and call Mothra, yeah. Okay. Yeah, dude. Sweet. Okay, well, I'll take that paycheck now. Like, what the um, fuck? Yeah, and we'll just, we'll keep monitoring the situation. <laughs> cool, we're going to uh, tell, you know, all the international people that you're calling Mothra. I mean, they'll find out anyway because, like, you know, TV, but, like, yeah. we got this. They're got watching that. this right now. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, yeah, we have it's... cameras on the island already you know, showing Mothra, so they'll see it happen, (laughs) you know. Yeah, uh, you're right. It's completely pointless. There's no point for the government there. It makes no sense, just like there's no point for the government when I'm anything else we're doing. Like, why do they always have to know this shit? It's like, oh, I'm I'm growing weed. Oh, cool. Well, the government has to know how much weed you're growing, and uh, they gotta like ask a bunch of questions about it that they don't even know what it means. It's like, cool. Let's just make it way harder for me to grow my weed, or let's just... you know what I'm saying. The the only point could be like to hammer home how unimportant the government is, but I don't think that was Sekizawa's uh, intention. <laughs> I don't think so either. Again, I think it, yeah, I think it's just a holdover from the old script. Yeah. And to add, like, a sense of importance. But it's just so silly. Literally, it's just like, oh, let's call Mothra and see what she thinks is right. Like, <laughs> d- d- why? Okay, anyway. <laughs> like, I don't even know what the people... Yeah, like, you were saying, did they not talk about it beforehand? Like, why were they driving there? Like, we gotta go <laughs> tell the government that these fairies can call yeah. Mothra. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make sense. No. <laughs> okay what if the government what if the government had been like no we don't want another monster involved do not call mothra what would have happened <laughs> yeah and it's like you never asked before so all you're doing is you're opening yourself up to that possibility yeah i mean the first time uh japan ever met mothra she like she fucked shit up yeah, like totally maybe they'd be like no we 
we already got fucking three monsters to deal with. We don't want another fucking monster. What the hell are you talking about? You're going to call Mothra. That's the what fuck? I mean. No. I see the guards put these people in jail. Yeah. They might call Mothra. This is what I mean when I say that their role, they've switched, they're selling out the proletariat. It reminds me, it's the same thing of like, okay, the first time we had a protest, we like fucking smashed the bank windows. That Starbucks was never the same. We we took the streets. But you know, this time, let's like, let's ask the government, let's, let's get a permit. Let's ask if it's okay. It's like, then the government's like, no, you can't. It's like, oh shit, now we can't have a protest. But we already had protests and they were very effective many times. But this time now we asked and now they can say no. Like, just don't do it, folks. Don't do it. Never ask for permission. That's no gods, no monsters, golden rule. And never ask for forgiveness. <laughs> um, speaking of the government, dumb cop of the week. You're first this time. I don't want to be first this time. Okay, well, I mean, you were first last time. I could go first. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> go ahead. Um, mine's obvious, but Shindo. The part specifically is when the chief says... She was in the plane when it exploded. How did she survive? And Shindo says, you find it odd? And the chief says, even a child would. How about you? (laughs) (laughs) The chief is just like, you're a dumb cop. Yeah. Yeah, I I ultimately had to go with Shindo as well. First, I was like trying to find another cop because I'm like, He's not super consistently dumb, but there is a lot of dumb moments. Um, yeah. The one that really sold it was um, when uh, the assassination attempt in the hotel, when he enters the room and the lights are turned off and the Shobajin say, watch out, there's assassins. And then the assassins shoot at him. And then he returns fire when he can't see and he knows that the princess he's supposed to be protecting is in there. <laughs> um, he's like a very bad idea. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, in general, the shooting action in this movie is atrocious. It's like, yeah, it's very bad. And it's just like, I almost can't fault him because the criminals are also just as bad at him. Like, he doesn't even catch either of the criminals. Like, rocks falling get all of them. I know. Uh, Mirai, Professor Mirai comes closer to him. Professor Mirai, like, grabs a wrench and fucking knocks one of them over the head with it and then takes his gun. That's, That's more true. than Shindo ever does. <laughs> that very much reminded me of Atragon, the wrench turning to red. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, um, another thing Shindo does that was super stupid. At the end, with the shootout, First of all, he's having a shootout. He has a pistol. The other guy has a sniper rifle. Yeah. Um, and and it's somehow over. misses just as much. Yeah. But then he's like, so he's with the princess and like the princess comes too, and he like turns to her and he's like, oh, you regain your memory. And then they like exchange like four lines or while something. While standing up in front of a sniper. <laughs> yeah. While standing up. And then he's aware of this too, because he turns and he shoots it's like he knows he knows he's staying up like in the range and then like, or in in the sights of this, this of the sniper rifle cuz he just automatically turns and shoots but like he's just been having this fucking conversation yeah. while standing there uh very stupid um I, I 
I also like in the beginning, he's sitting at a desk and like the reporter comes up and is like, is anything happening? He's like, if something was happening, you'd know before we would. But he's just sitting there lazily. It's like, yeah, because you're not doing anything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also just love that he's so much he's such a bad cop or what for whatever reason his sister doesn't even remember he's a cop (laughs) she's like we should call the police he's like did you forget that i'm a cop i should have you arrested yeah well the the when he when they're at the hotel and he's like show me the room where the princess is and she's like no i'm protecting her and he's like i can have you arrested uh it's like fucking asshole like yeah the fuck like fucking no dude. even real reason and it's your sister and you're just like i can have you arrested fucking, i'm a goddamn cop i'm a fucking cop and you will show me respect yeah because me being a cop that fucking demands respect and that's why i became a cop so people will fucking respect me now are you gonna respect me do i have to fucking send you to jail <laughs> he's just taking his frustrations out from earlier when she changed the tv channel on him and he's like, yes. I will not. I'll be talked down to in my own house. I'll be with, but not on the streets when I'm a cop. <laughs> now I have um, the power of the law. A couple other uh, dumb cop moments I, I wanted to point out was uh, his chief, when they're talking about like whether or not the prophet is the princess, his chief is like, well, she's not wearing the bracelet. So I don't... And the, yeah. I've been told that she always wears the royal bracelet, so I don't think that's her. It's like, seriously? <laughs> like, it, it could have been lost, could have been stolen. She could be just, you know, obviously, if she's being this fucking prophet character, maybe she's in fucking disguise. Like, yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> um, oh, it can't, it can't be that guy. That guy has a fake mustache. <laughs> yeah. That shark has a mustache. I don't think... Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's actually a, a, a giant shark. <laughs> yeah, dude, if all the cops were like that chief, King Shark yeah. could have partied that night. Yeah. Um, and then another thing, the after King Ghidorah shows, and there's like a car driving around the city like announcing, um, it says like, we have identified the object from space last night. It is King Ghidorah. And it's just like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, you've identified it as a fucking Ghidorah? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? How have you identified this as a Ghidorah? And what is that supposed to mean to us? <laughs> That's so good. Um, Since we're talking about dumb cops, I feel like it's a good place to talk about dumb criminals or dumb depictions of criminals. When they go to break into the hotel room this one of the criminal like background guys is i don't remember if he says anything but he has this mode of like i got this and he goes up to pick the lock and he does this funny hand flourish and then he (laughs) does not lock pick right like he just has (laughs) one thing that he sticks in there and like to lock pick you need a lock pick and a fucking what's it called a uh torque wrench to turn it and he's just poking it it's just such a movie moment of like does this magic hand wave as if that does something and sticks a toothpick in there mm-hmm. it's just funny somebody here's a criminal <laughs> and it um, ain't me did you see me hand flourish i don't think i did a hand flourish so how do you know <laughs> okay 
So, uh, rating this, you are definitely first this time on the Godzilla scale. S, A, B, C, D, F. Where's it rank for you, dude? Gonna give it a... A B minus. A B, okay. Cool. B minus. <gasps> Is, do we not have minuses and pluses? No, it's a ranking. Or it's it's not a ranking, I guess it's a rate... What is it? I mean, yeah, it's like there's there's slots, but that's fine. I don't care. B minus. No, I'm gonna give it a C then. I'm gonna give it a C. But I'm... I thought I thought you saved me because I can't decide between a B and a C, and I was like, I'm just gonna say B minus then too. It's perfect. Uh... <laughs> My bad. <laughs> I give it a B minus. <laughs> Sick. And I'm, For I'm also gonna B D B D B. Yes. B B B B B B B B B. Is that what you're trying to do? Well, the the sound Ghidorah makes is now called the BDBD on the internet. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the sound I was just trying to emulate, so... Yeah, it was really bad, I so I had to explain to the... the what listener. the fuck? I'm good at that. That's the oh. one thing I'm good at. Well, you were only doing one of the heads. They all work together to make mm. this whole sound, and you only... That makes sense. One of the frequencies perfectly. All right. Well, I'm yeah, I'm going to give it a B-. minus. I'm going to throw it a Budweiser Select. Nice. Hell yeah. Two. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it a B minus also. It's hard to decide because it like sucks in so many ways, but it's really fun in so many ways. And Gator is awesome. Um, yeah. Music's awesome. But uh, I'm going to throw in a uh, Zero Sugar Rockstar because they were 98 cents at Winco and it really got me through this. And it tasted like shit and my whole room smells like energy drink right now. So. Oh. I'll just give it a B, but with that rock star to drag it down a little. <laughs> to a B minus. <laughs> to wherever, because there's no minuses. So it's... <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Minuses do not exist yet. in this dimension. Sweet. Uh, anything else? Rate and review us on iPods.com. Please. <laughs> That's what we want out of you and your fingers. Yes, on iPods.com, please rate and review us. And, like, please, like, for, please. Like, please. We, we, <laughs> hey, people, we really want to get some more listeners. Like, we put a lot of work into this, so <laughs> we'd like to get some more listeners. We also recently got review bombed, just like all the other Kaiju podcasts, by one-star reviews. They actually disappeared, which is pretty cool, but, you know. Be on the right side of history. Yeah, I killed the people that gave us one-star reviews. That's why they disappeared. Don't snitch on Charlie. Everyone knows that when you die, your review disappears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. But when you dig them out of their grave, it comes back. So we're going to need well, you to really... shit, then it's going to come back. Cause yeah, we got to... I dug gotta them out of their grave. Right now. Um, cool. You can also find us on Twitter at NoGodsPod. You can email us, NoGodsPod at gmail.com. And if we, you uh, like what we're doing and you want to support the show, you can support us by uh, learning how to pick locks. It's uh, yeah. easy. It's fun. You can get the stuff you need online or you can look up ways to make them yourself. Do you know how to pick locks? Yeah, like the rudimentary. Like it's easier than you'd think, but I can't do like really good ones, um, like For really sure. hard ones. I only know, like I'm pretty good at it, but just from playing Fallout. Oh, nice. Um. Yeah, I but, was talking about the Skyrim style. It's a little different. 
Um, maybe the Skyrim game. style. No, maybe I am thinking the Skyrim style because I am thinking of like the the torque rank, the torque thing too. They're maybe they're similar. Thinking. Okay. Um, yeah, those will, any of those will work. You know, it doesn't matter how you do it. Yeah. 